Ephesians chapter 6, verses 18 through 24 this morning. I want to start by setting the context, and I'm going to pick it up uh, in verse 13. Therefore, take up the full armor of God that you may be able to resist in the evil day, and having done everything to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with the truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith, with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming missiles of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of, of the Spirit, which is the word of God. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit, and with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. And and pray on behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in proclaiming it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. And we'll stop there for now. Now, by the introduction there, I've just put the metaphor of the armor of God is now complete, but the fact of spiritual warfare is not. Now, the value of prayer will be now be discussed beginning with the three alls of prayer that we see in verse 18. The three alls are all prayer and petition, pray at all times, and being on the alert with all perseverance, okay, and petition for all the saints. That's just kind of a double whammy there, but the, the real all, <laughs> there's still three alls. It's, it's all, all prayer, all times, and with all perseverance. Now, the two words for prayer, both in the Greek, I didn't uh, go into offer the Greek this morning because these words are so similar. They're actually used very often interchangeably. But primarily, the word, the Greek word behind prayer refers to all manners of prayers. It's kind of like the general term for prayers and requests. It, 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 petition, which is the word itself is used less. It refers to specific requests, something very specific. Um, Luke one thirteen is a good example. It's a, it's a passage of what we're. Remember when the angel Gabriel appeared to Zacharias? This is one of those pre-Christmas stories. <laughs> and the angel said to him, "Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your petition has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will give him the name." John. So that petition, that very specific prayer, may we have a child. That was their prayer. And boy, did God answer that beyond what they could ask or think. Their their child turned out their child was John the Baptist. Okay? So that was a that's petition, a specific request. What what we did this morning were petitions, those specific requests for certain things, certain individuals. Now there's so many areas that we could go to to talk about prayer, and I'm covering both prayer and petition, the whole thing together, because they, they go together. So you figure, with all the plays we go, and I know a lot of you folks were at the Wednesday night prayer thing, so you've been through a whole gamut of many way. I mean, you could, you could do studies like just on the prayers of Paul, for crying out loud, that you see here in Scripture. Just, there's, there's a prayer in virtually every letter he wrote there's prayer in there um but you figure i don't know if you went to this one or not but we're going to go to the master 
We're going to go to Jesus, his example of prayer, in Matthew chapter 6. Did you guys do that one on Wednesday night? You did? Well, here's a review. (laughs) Repetition is good. How are we to pray? And this will be like an overview, okay? I mean, again, you could we could spend a few weeks in this one. Matthew 6, 5 through 13. And when you pray, you're not to be as the hypocrites, for they love to stand in the, and, and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners in order to be seen by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, and when you, have, when, you ha- when you have shut the door, pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will repay you. And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetitions as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you even ask him. We'll stop right there for now. So it start, he starts off this lesson on prayer, first, how not to pray, okay? How not to pray. Not as the hypocrites. Well, who are the hypocrites? Well, in Matthew's gospel, they've already been defined for us. We can, we can back up to Matthew 3, 7, for example. Now, here we are with John the Baptist. He's down at the Jordan baptizing. And... Matthew 3, 7, 12 says, But when he, that's John the Baptist, saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore bring forth fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not suppose that you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham for our father. For I say to you that God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. And the axe is already laid at the root of the trees, Every tree, therefore, that does not bear fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. As for me, I baptize you with, with, with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, and I am not fit to remove his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And his winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clear his threshing floor, and he will gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable Fire. Not a good ending. Okay? And we move forward into, back into chapter 5 now of Matthew, 5.18 to 20. And this, this, this passage, I'm sure, shocked a lot of people back then. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke, or jot and tittle you might have in yours, uh, shall pass away from the law until it's accomplished. Whoever then annuls one of the least of these commandments and so teaches others shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever keeps and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. And this is the one that kind of really probably got them back then. For I say to you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. Do you catch the, the double meaning there? That there's a couple things being said there. Um, you go back to 18, for I say to you, you know, 
the smallest letter of the law, the word is not going to pass. It's all going to be happen. It's all good. And Jesus himself, uh, I didn't come to destroy or abolish it. I came to fulfill it. Matter of fact, he is the fulfillment of the Old Testament, Messiah. He is the one that the Old Testament was speaking for. He says, whoever then annuls one of these least commandments, you know, that's what the Pharisees were constantly doing. They perverted the law. They perverted the law. How many times did Jesus confront them on their, you pervert the law, you pervert the law, you, you, you teach for truth the, the doctrines of men. I mean, he, this, the, he had, this argument was going back and forth, back and forth, all the time. These men would pervert the law. They did pervert the law. Many do today as well, pervert the scriptures. In a sense, they created their own. They, they actually did. When you, when you twist it and make it say something it's not, it's no longer the word of God. It's word of man. And many documents, not only the Bible, are twisted and perverted. Now, you get uh, 519 and 20. You compare that with 521 through 48. And I'm not going to read all that. But uh, after he goes through here, he says, uh, see in verse 20, he says, you have heard that the ancients were told. And then he goes on, verse 27, you have heard, uh, and he keeps going, you have heard, and it was said, verse 31, and you have heard, verse 33, you have heard, verse 38, uh, you have heard, verse 43, there's another one. <laughs> what he's doing there, some falsely think that, oh, Jesus is changing and reinterpreting the Old Testament. No, 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 no. What he's doing right there is correct setting the record straight. What you've heard from these scribes and Pharisees and priests, that's what he's straightening out. They'll take one little piece of that law and yank it out of context and teach something that it's not yeah. teaching. They'll, they'll take it and uh, just totally deny it through their legalistic, like, well, we just had a message not too many weeks ago on, on how they perverted the Sabbath. I mean, that's just a classic example, it's the Sabbath, you know. And so, but, and they just, they're, they're good at that. And that's why, you know, you, you go back to and you read stuff like this, and he, and he goes, unless, can you imagine how that floored them, how that shocked them? Unless, you know, your, I'll paraphrase, your spirituality exceeds that of the scribes, exceeds. You're not even, you're not going to see the kingdom of heaven. You know what that tells me? Scribes and Pharisees aren't going to see the kingdom of heaven, because you've got to exceed them to see it get there okay it's like because they're in essence false teachers just like the old false prophets that existed in the old testament times so anyway that's rare probably way too much time on that one but (laughs) but it's important to know what not to do okay um and then luke i'm not gonna go to luke 18 you might remember <clears throat> what that one's talking about, Luke 18, 9 through 14. Remember the parable of the uh, tax collector? And who did he put him up against in that parable? A Pharisee. The tax collector and the Pharisee. And the, uh, the Pharisee says, boy, I'm sure glad I'm not like that tax collector over there. <laughs> and the tax collector's over there pounding his chest saying, I repent, I'm a sinner. And Jesus says, who do you think is going to be the one justified? Of course, it's the, it's, the, it's the repentant sinner, not the proud, boastful sinner, see? And so 
I mean, they were so bad that Jesus even used them in a parable, the Pharisee and the tax collector. And again, um, tax collectors being in the eyes of many in that day, the lowest of the low. Yeah, tax collectors, and uh, we'll see later on, Samaritans, they were also in that same boat. Now, now back to uh, Matthew 6, verses 7 and 8. Do not use meaningless repetition. Okay, well, uh, and he says, Therefore, do not, like your, your father knows what you need before you ask it, so rep- say it over and over and over again. That takes me back to my 12 years of Catholic education, the rosaries, you know. Uh, they talk about repetitious prayer, and it was meaningless. It was all recited, repetitious, and quite frankly, those prayers didn't get past the ceiling. I mean, it's just, it's, that's not what God wants. No. That's not what God wants. Matter of fact, he's about ready to tell us what he wants. But um, no, meaningless, repetitious, no. And verse 8 is a good one to understand when we go to prayer. Um, and there's so many things. I mean, praise the Lord, we've got the Holy Spirit that intercedes for us in those times that things are so messed up, you don't know what even to say, you know. But the Spirit does, and the, the real prayer gets there. So we don't have to worry about it. And verse 8, don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you even ask. But the thing of it is, and this is his, well, then why bother? Because he wants you to ask. That's why you bother. He wants you to ask. He wants me. He wants us to ask. See, verse 9. Okay, then, how do we pray? Pray then in this way. And again, this is not a prayer to pray. This is an example of what to pray for. It's a beautiful thing to sing. We should try it sometime. It's a great thing to sing. Okay. Pray then in this way. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We'll just stop there. Our Father. Hey, that shows relationship. Our Father. That tells me something right there. Only true believers can rightfully call God our Father. And so, if you want prayers answered... First call, the first thing, one must be a believer. Or again, you know, who art in heaven? Now get with that. That identifies who our Father is, the one true God of heaven. Okay? Of all the, the, the false gods. Hallowed be thy name. Hallowed means that's praise. Praise to the Father. Why should we praise him? Huh. What were we just studying in Ephesians? He's the one who chose us before the foundation of the world. I mean, can you, if for nothing else, the fact that he could have not. Think about it. You know, uh, not to mention all the many blessings that come with that, being his, being his children. It's amazing, amazing privilege. As a matter of fact, I like this passage. I'm going to go back to Ephesians 1, 3, just, just because. Okay. <laughs> Again, something to praise him for. And, and, and Paul starts out praising in verse Ephesians 1, 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's hallowed be your name right there. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
Why? Who has blessed us with every spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ. Just And, he, and then he starts to go through them. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestinated us, predestined us to... to, to <clears throat> to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself according to the kind intention of his will. I mean, all of this he did to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. I mean, there's a, there's a, this is all one big praise. It's a good theological lesson here, but it's a praise at the same time. You see these, the, the language here? One big praise. To the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved, in him we have redemption. Now we're talking about the beloved, that's Christ. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. He made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his kind intention, which he purposed in him. With a view of the administration suitable to the fullness of times, that is, summing up all things in Christ, things in heavens and things upon the earth. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will. There's, three, there's at least three times there he says all this was done after his will, kindness of his heart, his, based on his mercy, his grace. He did it all. We just received, and you have a question. <laughs> Ah. Because clearly I'm going to be repetitive after about one minute. Yeah. Vain vain repetition would be just would be like what I did is in the Catholic Church, just praying hail praying a, a rosary, and if that doesn't get it, let's go for the litany, you know? And just keep going more and more and more. Vain repetition. It could be too like the pagans do, they chant. Chant. That chanting would be a vain repetition. Persistence in prayer is taught in Scripture. Persistence in prayer is one thing. Vain, meaningless repetition is what he's talking about in, in uh, Matthew. And that's, that's the difference. And it's big. It's a big difference. Repetition instead of the substance. You know. So, and does that, I hope that answers it, because that's the best I got for you. Because... <laughs> I, mean, I, I get that a little bit, but... So, for me, without ceasing... That's coming up. God knows yeah. what I need, so I pretty much end with, yeah. and you really know everything. We'll be talking need, about so praying without ceasing here in a, in a bit. Yeah. <laughs> well, one thing you don't have to worry about is idle repetition. <laughs> you can cross that off the list. We're good That's there. Yeah, we're good there. <laughs> I saw... Yeah. So, but that's a Holy Spirit thing. Yeah, and, and that's definitely not what is being <laughs> referred to as vain repetition. That's a sincere, from the heart, prayer. 
And see, and that's he's making the distinction between Pharisaic and pagan practices of prayer versus what God wants. And if I may, I know he'll say yes, so I won't ask him. But you remember Les's praise this morning? Praise for he and Jackie's persistent prayer about the grandson? And it's and he got an answer to that prayer? See, that's persistence in prayer, praying for something righteous. And and God teaches us. To, uh, our Lord's got a, a couple of parables there. We, remember the... Um, the woman and the judge. Remember that one? The, the woman that went up to the judge? And, and <laughs> to, the, the short story is that the analogy that our Lord was giving us there is that the judge says, okay, I'm going to go rule because just to get away, she's bugging me here, just to get her off my back. <laughs> I mean, but that's not how, that's not how God's views, viewing our persistence. He just used that as an example of persistence. And just, just, just keep praying. And, and, by, by Lord teaches that God wants us to be persistent, especially about spiritual righteous requests right. like that. And it's a matter of your heart. Absolutely. It's not that you can't be repetitive. The main repetition was just something that they didn't even engage in yeah, or they, even mean. They well, were just doing it as an obligation. In our, in our day and age, it could be those vain repetitions that is very familiar within, say, the charismatic movement, where they keep praying to receive certain gifts, money. I mean, it's, it's pretty bad, actually. Uh, Bob, is it okay to uh, pray the psalms on a daily basis? Sure. To what? Pray the, the psalms? Psalms? Yeah. yeah, a lot of people, a lot of people encourage people to pray scripture. You know, I mean, that's because the word of God should be the attitude of our heart. Yeah. Right? The source of all truth. So you're praying the truth. Mm-hmm. Okay. You can't be anywhere but Hey, up, up, you know, when all else fails, read the instructions, you know. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Did you have something back there? We good? I thought I saw. Back to Matthew 6. (laughs) Okay. The next one on our list here is, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. So right there. See, if we don't... is, Is it telling us if we don't pray that God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven... That means it's not God's will is not going to happen? No, it's not teaching that at all. What this passage is teaching us is that we should be praying in accordance with God's will. You know, what God's will is should be our will as well. That's like praying 
Scripture is a very good idea. You're going to be in God's, it's, you know, of course you start uh, praying some of those imprecatory psalms. That could be interesting. But anyway, <laughs> Lord, rain fire down on you. <laughs> well, you know, but hey, you have the shoe fit. No. <laughs> no. But, and then here's another one. And it, it's down the list, but it's on the list. Give us this day our daily bread. Notice praying God's will comes first before praying for what we want. And again, though, but give us this day our daily bread. Daily bread. It didn't say, give us this day our ribeye steak. It's, it's based, this is, it's just the, the wording here is a reference to, Lord, give us our basic necessities of life. Our basic needs. Um, Nowhere does Jesus or anybody else teach, Lord, give us great wealth. That is one of the biggest heresies. One one of the big heresies. Who can rate them? One of the big heresies of that movement out there, the charismatic movement is, you know, like the book was a book title, God Wants You Rich. Oh, how do you explain that to the apostles who died paupers? You know, uh, no, that's not... Matter of fact, Proverbs 38 and 9. Let's go there. This is one that actually <clears throat> was given to me by an inmate at Tehachapi Prison <laughs> when I was up there, not as an inmate, but, you know, as a prison ministry. Prison ministry. Proverbs chapter 30, verses 8 and 9. If you find it, let me know. (laughs) (laughs) Proverbs 30, verses 8 and 9. And it spoke to him as an inmate. He says, keep deception and lies far from me. And here's the part that he wrote down. He had it written down in his Bible. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is my portion. Okay? Lest I be full and deny you and say... Who is the Lord? Too rich, too wealthy, you don't need God, right? Or, the other side of the coin is, not having enough, or lest I be in want and steal and profane the name of my God. See that? Lord, give us this day our daily bread. I don't need to be so rich that I forget and I stop relying on the Lord. And I don't want to be so doggone poor, I'm tempted to steal. Right. See, made a good point. Like the, rich young ruler. the rich young ruler. He was on the high end of the scale. He, yeah. you know, he was too devoted. He was more devoted to his wealth than he was to Messiah. So, and, and the Lord brought that out quite clearly. Okay. Um, and again, back to Matthew. Forgive us our debts or sins, as we forgive our debtors. As we forget. That's interesting. Just move forward a little bit in, uh, whoop, I'm in the wrong, I wound up in John. Okay, Matthew 6, look forward to verses 14 and 15. He kind of jumps from there and moves, and there's another one coming. But, for if you forgive men for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. 
But if you do not forgive men, then your father will not forgive you your transgression. If you do not forgive men, your father will not forgive your transgression. Okay? One thing to remember in this Sermon on the Mount, there was definitely, there was, like in so many cases in our Lord's sermons and meshes, there was a mixed crowd there. There were some of his true disciples, there were some false disciples, and of course, and the antagonists were always there <laughs> around the fringes. They were always there. But, um, <clears throat> and then the verse 13 where it says, Do not lead us into temptation. This is asking not to be, this is asking it. God is not going to lead us into temptation. We saw that, I think, a week or so ago. James 1, 13, God will not tempt us to sin. He will not put that in front of us right. and, as a way to make us, cause us to sin. He will not do that. James 1, 13 to 14, we don't have time to look there, but that's what that is teaching us. This is asking, this, this part, lead us out into temptation, is asking us not to be found in a situation where it is likely we might sin. Okay, this is an admission, too, that we are capable of sinning. And therefore, we should not feel secure in our own strength. So, Lord, please do not let me get into a situation where I might sin against you. Okay, that's, that's what that is asking. It's not saying, Lord, don't lead me into <laughs> causing that. No, that, that, no that, doesn't, that, that one doesn't fly. Okay, now... And then the last one, but deliver me from evil. Remember 1 Corinthians 10, 13? God will not allow us to be tempted, what? Beyond that which we can, and he'll always offer what? A way of escape. Okay. So that prayer is, already, God knows what you need before you ask it. That one's already out there. <laughs> he knows that's already out there. Now, back to uh, Ephesians. Pray at all times. In the spirit, at all times, is the same thing as pray without, First Thessalonians, pray without ceasing and everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus, which is the same as, and I, I just put them in the outline so it's easier than flipping, I had a feeling we might be running against the clock. Praying at all times is also consistent with, set your mind on things above, not on things that are on the earth. Put those two concepts together and you have what it means to pray without ceasing. Pray constantly. It's set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. See that? Set your mind, get it, get get the proper focus as we move through the day. And I know it's it's tough, especially you folks that, that have jobs. Hey, it's tough at home, too, you know? For us retired people, every time you walk around, oh, I see a weed. Focus on things about... (laughs) You know, I mean... And then, two, praying in the Spirit. I didn't put in here because that would be a class all by itself, which I am very game to do one day. Praying in the Spirit does not mean you're praying with a private prayer language. It's not meaning anything like that. It doesn't mean you, your eyes get dreamy and you look up and you start floating around. That's not what that's saying. 
What it's talking about is our prayers must be consistent with Christ's nature, being consistent with the Holy Spirit, who is also called the Spirit of God and the Spirit of Christ. Again, it's very, it's, it's very similar to, you know, um, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We need to be consistent. We need to be consistent. Now, be on the alert. Another one. Be on the alert with all perseverance and petition. Uh, again, I'll just let me stop for a minute there in Ephesians. Do you remember what Ephesians 5, 18 to 20 was all about? Remember that? Be filled with the Spirit. Okay? Be filled with the Spirit. And it's parallel passage in Colossians. Let the word of Christ dwell within you richly. Ephesians, I'll just go back to Ephesians 5.18 where it says, And do not, do not get drunk with wine, which, for that is dissipation, but be filled, filled in this passage, filled in the sense of being controlled. Controlled. You're not filled like a, a, a glass of water. You're filled more like the wind would fill the sail of a sailboat and, and push it along. Okay? Uh, I like the one, too. You're filled like, you know, like a hand would fill a glove. You know, you put that glove on, you know, then the glove moves. <laughs> okay? That's what it means by being filled with the Holy Spirit. Controlled. Directed. And how does that work? Well, Colossians, which is a parallel, Colossians 3, 16, it says, Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching, admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your heart to God. You, you, you compare those two passages, Ephesians 5 with Colossians 3, they're teaching the exact same thing. Because the results are the exact same thing. So being filled with the Spirit is allowing and letting the Word of Christ, which is the Word of God, dwell within us richly, abundantly. Colossians 3.2, set your mind on things above. All right. Um, now be on the alert. And then you can look at Romans 8 where the Holy Spirit helps us in our prayers. And that's where the one where he, he intercedes for us. And we have that is a blessing that it's happening whether we realize it or not, which is... Wonderful. Be on the alert. Alert means to be watchful. Pay attention. Stay awake. <laughs> okay? That's for the term, term. Stay awake. With all perseverance. In other words, being watchful and being diligent at watching. Being diligent about it. Be, be constant. You know, make that, that's a constant effort. That's something we make an effort to do. Okay? And, and what is that all talking about? And the petition for all the saints. In other words, we must be on the alert with all perseverance to be ready to pray or make petition for all the saints, just like we did this morning. Just be watchful. There, there are things within the church body, within the family of Christ, for fellow brothers and sisters in Christ that we need to pray for. Sometimes whether they ask for it or not, you can see needs, pray for those needs. We can see them. They shouldn't even have to ask if we know them, you know. And that's where Christian fellowship is so important. That's how you get to know needs. Just know people, pray for people, you know. 
Philippians chapter 1, verses uh, 1 through 11 had a... Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Christ Jesus to the saints in Christ who are in Philippi, including the overseers and deacons. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's a prayer. I thank my God in in my remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy in in my, my every prayer for you all in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. You know, so the, no, he's thanking. He's, he, he constantly is in prayer of thanksgiving for the church at Philippi because they've been financially supporting his ministry it's from the from the day that they became a church at Philippi. They've been supporting him. Okay, for I'm confident of this very thing that he who began a good work in you will perfect it against the day of Christ Jesus, and that's true for anyone that's a true believer. For it is right for me to feel this way about you because I have, I have you in my heart since both in my imprisonment and in my defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are all partakers of grace with me. For God is my witness how I long to be with you with, with the affection of Christ Jesus. And I pray, here is another prayer, and I pray that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and in all discernment so that you may approve the things which are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ, having been filled with the fruit of righteousness which comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. I mean, there's, a, there's an intercession. There's, there's a prayer for the saints. And this is a good bunch of saints. And what does he pray for? Hey, you're doing great. Don't need to pray. No, no, no. He says, I hope you even get better. I, I know you're going to stay there. I just, I'd like you to even get better. Pray for their betterment. Better, better. None of us have uh, topped out, right? We, we all, that's not going to happen for a while yet. Okay. And then Paul prays for himself, verse, uh, Ephesians, uh, back to 619. And this will go quickly. It's, it's going to have to. Um, that's right, there's nobody out there with a hook. Today. today. Matter of fact, there's nobody out there at all. Yeah. And it's uh, you know, in every minute. I'm good. I'm good. I got this. <laughs> now, 19 and 20. And pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in proclaiming it, I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Where was Paul writing this from? Yeah. Well, not technically not jail. But when he, house arrest. And we, matter of fact, we can see him. Acts 28. I believe here, Acts 28, we have an answer to that prayer. Acts 28, did that prayer? Remember, the letter, of, the letter to the Ephesians was written while he was in that house arrest. And now Luke in Acts is going to tell us how those two years of house arrest actually went. Okay? So, so Acts 28 verses 30 and 31 tell us, And he stayed two full years in his own rented quarters, 
and was welcoming all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching concerning the Lord Jesus Christ with all openness unhindered. That prayer request was answered. He wrote uh, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon from there. Okay? And um, that's great. And then he has some closing comments, verses 21 through 24. But that you may also know my circumstances that I have, that I, <clears throat> and how I am doing, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister. How would you like to have your name put in the halls of Scripture and that being said about you? It's a whole lot better than Alexander the coppersmith, right? <laughs> you know, but it says, The beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord will make everything known to you, and I have sent him to you for this very purpose, so that you may know about us and that he may comfort your hearts. Again, Paul looking out for the church. And then the benediction, and the very classic, common benediction, which is, I guess you could call it kind of a sanctified well wishes. I don't know. It's that, uh, you know, I just, you're just wishing God's best on God's people, where it says, and that's what the benediction's about at the end of the, of the church services that we have here, is the same thing. Wishing God's best on all the folks. Peace to you, brethren, and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ with a love incorruptible. Thus endeth the book of Ephesians. Great book. Let's pray. Father God, we again, Lord, we thank you so much. For this book. We thank you for the time you've given us together. And we just pray, Lord, as we move off into our next service that you would open our hearts and mind to your truth there as well. And again, Lord, we, in anticipation of your spirit moving and applying these truths to our hearts, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you. You're welcome, ma'am. If I tell them, they may not come. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be it. Now you got a surprise. Well, I'm going to answer a couple of weeks ago, Kendon and a few others made a request to look over the how do we respond and how does the church respond to the LGBTQ, PDQ, yeah. plus, you know, DUMB, whatever, whatever they're calling it. You know, so we're going to look at that. I'm not going to make a career out of it, believe me. One or two weeks at the most. Easy for me to say, but...